This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality. You're here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. God set us up with brains that protect us. And it has to be that way. And every animal as well, Christine, is protected by the by their brain system. Now, most animals... Are not they don't have what we have. Most animals have have what's called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is is your fight and flight mechanisms. And we also have a fight and flight. We have it. But but we have something way more sophisticated. And that is uh, we've got in the center of the brain, we've got a, a a network there called the default mode network. And the default mode network's job is really kind of time travel, meaning it, it's going to collect all data from the past. And it's going to project that data into the future to help you navigate, which is really important for us. Because, see, an iguana has instincts for climbing trees and, you know, and zapping flies with its tongue and stuff. Like, it, it, it's, it's built in. It's, it's already in the factory settings for that. So what it really needs in its brain is fight and flight. Which again, we have that part of our brain is the bottom part of the brain, the back part, the hypothalamus. Um, we're dealing with much more complicated things than zapping flies with our tongue. Okay, Much more complicated things. And human beings are highly sophisticated, as you know. And, the, and so what happens is your default mode network collects all data in the past and projects into the future. This is why if, you were, if someone was giving you a ride to Tzfat, for example, the north of Israel, you'd prefer that person be 30 rather than 16 because a 30-year-old has so much more experience behind the wheel at you know, 80 miles per hour. And so the default mode network is going to remember every time they've ever driven at 80 miles per hour. And it's going to shut down. This is the other thing the default mode network does: is it shuts down all the other rest, all the rest of the networks of the brain. This has already been proven in science that a passenger will witness all kinds of stuff driving up north that the driver, who's seeing the same view, won't see. And not only that, they've discovered that the driver thinks he's seeing it because the mind will actually pre- create prediction models of what's going on around them. You're driving a better seat. Yeah, I just yeah. Just you, you know, yeah, great. Good. Yeah, good. Sorry, you were right in front of the camera. No, it's all good. Yeah, I'll be ignoring the camera, but... It, no, do your okay. thing. The, 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 the driver thinks he's seeing what the passenger's seeing, when in fact the, 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 the driver's brain is actually working in predictive models on what's going on around him, to the point where like the passenger sometimes says, did you see that? And the driver's like, what? And it was some like crazy thing, you know, like whatever. There was a monkey on the side of the highway or something or, or uh, whatever it was. Like they don't see it. I was just driving last week with someone and there was just this most gorgeous landscape on the right that I don't know who paid for it. Certainly no municipality would pay for such a thing. And I mean, it was really something. And I guess it was the side of a mansion for like a quarter mile. And, uh, and I just said to the driver, like, you happen to notice what's on the right? He looks over and he's like, whoa! And he's like, back to the highway, we almost crashed. You know, because we're on task. We're on task when we're going fast. But the thing is, is your default mode network, whose job is to shut down the rest of the brain's activity to not be overstimulated, 
So that you stay on task. And then, of course, predictive predicts everything in models. So you think you're there, even though you're not. You're really just staring at the cars in front of you and watching their speed. That part of the brain is, is, is problematic because it doesn't have a switch. It doesn't have a switch. Even right now, as you sit here listening to me, make a bracha boch at Adonai, Adonai Melech, Oelam, Even as you sit here right now, your brain has already made up so many decisions about me. You've already made up your mind, basically, which is super sad. And uh, because you're just going to miss this class totally because you've already made up your mind about me. And it could be I'm reminding you of everything you've ever done wrong in your life just by my look. And, and now, you mind moving back one scene? I'm going to get whiplash looking at you. Just leave your bag. So, you understand, like, my look itself. I mean, wouldn't do that for you. You're, like, totally clear with me. But, but there are other people in here who are, like, everything they've ever done wrong is coming up to them. And which is automatically, like, got you going 80 miles per hour sitting still in a classroom safe with a person who would would probably if not definitely give his life for you so you understand like there's something wrong here you know for you to have to filter out the experience you're not going 80 and you're with someone who's so extremely safe And if, if something's coming up for you also, like that's another skill, is like you want to grow in life? <laughs> what do most people do when something's coming up for them? They're just like, knock it out, you know, get it out. When in fact, when things come up for you, that's exactly where your growth is. And so all kinds of stuff comes up for us everywhere we go. You're going to a wedding, stuff comes up for us of how acceptable we are. You're going, you're, you're doing work, suddenly comes up for you, your own ability of, you know, your own abilities, your personal performance abilities come up for you. You're going to perform something on stage, all of a sudden the, we're back to, you know, am I really acceptable? Am I wanted? And most rock stars don't live till 40. Because, you know, there's just no one clapping when you're in a hotel room at two in the morning. And the funny thing is they could have afforded to hire people to clap <laughs> while they sleep. You know, so just let them clap. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy's like having trouble falling asleep from the clapping? He's like, just keep clapping, but quieter. <laughs> but, you know, that pain in the heart, there's no way to fall asleep with that kind of pain. So you can take something to sleep and then you got to take something to wake up. Then you got to take something to perform and then you got to take something to go to sleep and the human body can't handle that till you know over 40 years old that's about the expectancy of such things you'd see thank you so much guys this is uh, one of my children you'd see and uh, he's the most beautiful man in the world he's not really my biological child but but he is he is nevertheless the uh, my dearest you'd see um there's a catch-up for the seminar for people joining today at 5.30. That's important to know. You want to sit with this bro over here? This, this guy is like the coolest old hippie Jew you ever met. 
This guy could tell you stories, man. That I, yeah. So the ability to be so sensitive to yourself, to always ask yourself what's coming up for you. I went back to that, by the way. What's coming up for you? That's that's your door. You either go through that door or stay the same your whole life. Our, all that stuff that comes up for us that we just want to numb is where our growth is. But we're also self-medicated, whether it be on... Whether it be with media, whether it be with alcohol, whether it be with cannabis, whether it be with, with uh, our hobbies or our... I mean, I promise you that every time anything got close to me as a kid, anything that got near my stuff and stuff started coming up for me, I was literally like, like lunging for my surfboard. And, and I would grab that board and I would drive to the beach or hitchhike to the beach before I was 16 and paddle out for three hours and and nothing exists out there when I'm in my when I'm out there in the ocean like that none of the stuff coming up for me is out there and then uh, and then getting back if stuff came up again you know there's like you know nothing little cannabis couldn't push out you know And that's a great way to never grow. To be okay, put the fan on low, please. It's too loud. The bottom right corner, there's a teeny little button there. No, no, that's lights. Yeah, you got it. That's it. Thank you. Hey, it didn't go off. Try it again. Same button, the bottom right corner. There. That's on high. Oh, put it back on low. Oh, it's finally bit the dust, our fan belt. We turned it off all together. <laughs> Listen to this. I work in music studios and stuff. And having a, that noise is like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. And you notice you didn't hear it? Listen to the difference in the sound quality and the high frequencies, the lows. Everything's coming through. So you have... So you have So you have this default mode network whose job is to navigate and it's but it also it shuts down outer stimulus just to protect you. And that's the way we're set up. But we're not going 80. It's actually just your father calling <laughs> with like tons of unsolicited advice. Or it's your mother calling this is for the ladies with tons of unsolicited advice. You didn't ask for any of that. And with unsolicited advice, you suddenly get like somehow like immediately transformed to nine years old. Now, how long do you spend on the phone with someone who makes you feel like you're nine? 30 seconds. Yeah, as little as possible. They seem, have you ever noticed they can't call at the right time? No matter when they call, it's not the right time. Meanwhile, someone else calls you a minute later and you're like, what's up? You know, and then, like... 45 minutes later, you're still on the phone. You know, they, and, but that's our thing is that we, we're constantly, we're constantly medicating. And by the way, that's just another form of medicating is hanging up early with the one person in the world who would sell their home 
to pay for a medical emergency. They'd sell their home to pay for a legal emergency. The, the one person who would be there for you no matter what is the, is the person we've knocked out of our immediacy. Because we're going 80 miles per hour when we're answering the phone. Because the default mode network experienced a lot of stuff. And of the things that it experienced, it experienced um, rejections. It experienced failures. It experienced, um, how would you call this when, you're, when other people are controlling your life? It experienced... Manipulations? Manipulations. Out of well, out of control is what's going on because someone else is in charge. Which every kid, think about it, when you were, when was the first time you actually took some control over your life? You, no, it's, well, you're from a from home. But you're from a second home? Yeah. Uh, so the answer is whenever kids, uh, the biggest number of kids when they run away and it's 14. Yeah. If you're Hasidic, it's a week after you get married. It's the first time you make your own decisions. But, um, but until you're 14, 14 is the average, obviously there's kids who at 12 already are autonomous. But 14 is the year, the, the, the um, majority year where kids will take off. If things are really bad at home, they may hang in there till 14, but 14 they're out. I don't know what it is about 14. I guess probably it's when the majority, both men and women have gone through puberty. And they're like, the voice is changing and they're like, bye. You know, I'm going to go save my life from this hellhole. And so, um, anyway, but all those years, so we've suffered rejection, we've suffered failures, and we also suffered... Okay, yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> That's what I was hoping someone was going to fill in. I didn't know that would be the word, but powerlessness. Gotta love a word that has E S S twice. <laughs> powerlessness. <laughs> cool word. Powerlessness. Um, we've all suffered the vulnerability of um, of what the future holds. That's like big time, you know. Like you have no idea what's coming. You have no idea what's coming up for us next. You know? That's a good thing. Vulnerability is a good thing. Right. I agree. Failures are a good thing. Yeah. It's good the for growth. Being Go tell that. Go tell that to a to a Hasidic woman whose kids are in are still single in their late twenties. We're not discussing this right now. You've learned over your lifetime to embrace vulnerability, hopefully. And those of us who have learned to embrace that are the ones who are living amazing lives because that's where life happens is embracing vulnerability. But this is the scariest thing in the world to embrace. You know, it is the scariest. That's why you're all single right now. Okay? Because you can't embrace that. Now, by the way, I'll just mention that it's a real big secret to marriage that no one knows and that, that I'll just let you know right now is that, is that you've had this misconception all these years that relationships are these magical things that happen that's it okay so back on so, just kidding um, 
Um, there, there's something you need to know. I'm just going to say this quickly because it's not really part of this. I mean, it is, but not. The, the relationships can only get as close as they get teeth to bite you in the butt if it doesn't work out. Relationships can only get as close as the responsibility of if it doesn't work out is going to bite you in the butt bad. So what happens is those of us who have that horrible misconception that think relationships are just these magical things that happen, but don't come with teeth that bite you if it doesn't work out, the people who are in that misconception are the ones who really stay single into their late adulthood, if not forever. And the and and of course their hearts are broken a million times over because they keep going into the magical thing. But the, any magical thing that doesn't have teeth is going to eventually spit you out. You know, it's gonna it's gonna leave you. You'll notice, like, what's an intimate relationship with teeth? Children and parents. Things don't work out there. It's going to bite the parents forever. It's going to bite the kid forever. There's major teeth there. Major teeth there. Neighbors, you're going to be living together for years and years and years, maybe forever. You can develop a close relationship with your neighbors because there's major teeth there. Because if it doesn't work out, and you'll notice a lot of people don't choose not to be close to their neighbors because it's too much teeth. He lives right here. But some people develop endless, like eternal relationships with neighbors. Because of the teeth there. It was safe. It was safe because we're not going to be able to leave each other so easily. We're, we, we own our homes. And we're two houses away from each other. And therefore we're going to go, we're going to proceed with caution. And we're going to allow someone in slowly. Because we're stuck with them. And what's the ultimate relationship with teeth? Marriage. Marriage is the ultimate relationship where if it doesn't work out, your life's going to turn into hell. You'll never get over it. You'll never get over a divorce. And everyone knows that. Now, it may still be better. Hell may be better than what's going on in your home. You know, hell may be the better choice. But it's hell. And therefore, the closeness can come. And so all the teenage fools and young 20s fools that think they can just go into the magic and give away their hearts to someone who's going to just literally put it through the egg slicer like and then open it and turn it and give it a double you know like all the people who give their hearts like that we're in relationships that have no real responsibility there's no teeth it's a it's a walking disaster it's just it's just demolition and people are demolished over and over again and over and over again and over and over again and over and over again. And it's very interesting, the relationship to the 1960s, because the, the entire generation that was built in the millennial world of psychedelics, which, which all that generation that was on the psychedelic com- compounds, learned that there's really oneness beyond all the distinction. And if everything's really one... So then also genders are one. There's no more binary in gender. That's one. And, and, uh, and you can just unite with anyone. And they like, they, that caused the total ignorance of the, of the necessity of teeth in a relationship. A necessity of major fallout if someone doesn't hold your heart forever. It got rid of it. 
And ever since then, there's been nothing but pain, suicides, and drug addictions, and, and uh, every type of disaster has come from that. And the weirdest thing about it is it came from a truth, because everything is one. But you can't just say everything's one like some giant platitude and wipe out other very important principles of life. Like the example of you, you, that the magic of relationships has to come with responsibility. It has to come with hell to pay. Like the oneness of everything is really great. But there's still such a thing as binary gender. There's no plant, animal, or bird, or fish, or human without male and female going on. You're one or the other. So the oneness of everything is just fabulous. And we all inherited that from the 60s, and that's great. But there's principles. There's realities with that. That God intended for our good. Not for us to erase. God intended them for our good. Because when you pay attention to the principles of life, life works. And when you choose to ignore them in the platitudes of the millennial inheritance from the 1960s, you pay the price. And I watch that price being paid every day with everyone I meet. Back to our business. So the anyway, but we've got we've got these the default mode network has these has these experiences. It has these experiences. And therefore, its job will be that everywhere you go, it will filter out the situation around you. Label everything with its own little concept. Meaning you're going to label everything around you. Literally, like, digitize everything around you. And then carve a navigational path how to survive it. Which could be a wedding, it could be a job interview, it could be a phone call from your parent, it could be your own spouse, it could be your own children, your neighbors, people in the community, people in the synagogue. Meanwhile, 90% of what you see touch, feel, hear, taste, experience is predictive models. They've proven this already. Your brain's predicting everything around you. When you bite into an apple, uh, how do you say your name again? Lana. Lana, Lana, when you bite into an apple, 90% of you is predicting what apples should taste like. Your eyes looking, is it red? Is it green? Is it that yellowish, sweeter one? I forget what those are called. What? And, and then your brain's already set you up for its taste. How freaked out would you be to bite into a red apple and get the green bitter one? How freaked out would you be? You might not even notice. No, you notice. You notice because your brain's already going to predict the whole rest of your apple. I saw this study done in, in person where they blindfolded, they, they took two bottles of soy milk, one uh, chocolate milk and one vanilla milk, they blindfolded two people, they gave one person orange juice and one person soy milk, and they said, which one did you have? One person said chocolate, and the other one said chocolate. 
No way. That's very interesting. And what did they, what was the takeaway? Well, the fan might be on high now. Now it's really low. Check the fans on low. What? They were mind boggled. They didn't like these, like, the full expectation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm discussing something a little different, though. But I, I'd love to see this test. Is that a YouTuber? It's a YouTube. No, it was. Oh, you saw it in yourself. This, this was done six years ago in my yeshiva. I still remember Cool yeshiva. <laughs> okay. So, meanwhile, the brain goes into, you could really call it shutdown mode, because it's really left over only 10% of experience so that you can stay on task. Clear? Now, there are different, there are different portals how to shut down the default mode network to stop protecting you when protection's unnecessary. You understand? Like, do you guys want your default mode protecting you when protection's absolutely unnecessary? I already gave the example of this classroom. Like, you need your default mode network right now? Is that, is that going to be helpful? You should know, there's some of you, I'll give you an example of this, this uh, occurred recently also. Uh, raise your hand, don't be embarrassed, you're not being filmed. Raise your hand if school did, went really not well when you were growing up. Classes or like yeah, don't worry about it. If you have to ask, if you have to ask, it's, you don't have your hand up. Okay, everyone has their hand up. Know exactly what I'm talking about. This requires no definition. Okay, so the four of you, you ready for this? Look where we are right now. You're sitting in a seat amongst pupils. I'm changing words now. Amongst pupils, bored, whiteboard. Teacher, your default mode network saying, right now, just get through it. Get me the hell out of here, but, but you understand what I'm talking about? You get what I'm saying? She doesn't, because she's my student. She's been here forever. Mm-hmm. These two are nodding away, you know? No, the subject is different. You are already above that. Because you've been with me forever, and you know, you're like, you get this, the subject's different, the context is different, there's no reason for us to be, but you get, you guys know what an overhead projector is with transparencies? Yeah. Or like an anatomy book with transparencies? So, you guys realize that you had a transparency over this class. Because it's set up exactly like that. Your default mode network went, went like, red flag, classroom shut down the experience now I'm really good at shutting down your default mode network so it could be I've been shutting it down this whole time I've noticed you've been very connected so I have a feeling I've broken through it for you, you notice that? okay, but that's my skill is I know how to break through people's default mode networks which is really fun by the way you know, I, I can really mess with people you know, it's 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 great. Like I'll I'll mess with like a whole busload of Christians. You know, <laughs> you know, I'll just like, you know, if I happen to know the tour guide, I'll just say, "Do you mind if I take the mic?" And I jump up on the bus and I'm like, "Hi, everyone. I'm Rabbi Glazer, and uh, just gonna say a few words to you." And I'll just like bust through all their default mode networks, what they want to do with such a guy presenting to them, just to mess with people. It's a lot of fun. Slide a teeny bit this way. So anyway, the um, there's different ways there's different ways to shut down the default mode network. 
Uh, one of the more popular ones is meditation. Meditation shuts down the default mode network. And it has already been proven in MRIs that you can shut it down through meditation, meaning, uh, meaning they've put people in what are called fMRIs, which, which show the whole brain, and they've seen the default mode network just goes blank when someone's meditating. So they, put it, they go into deep meditation and slide them into the tube, and uh, the default mode network's just off. And they'll even have him go in with it on, start his meditation, and they'll watch it shut down. Is, is this the hypothalamus you're talking about? Or no, is this no, this is way more advanced than that. Okay. Hypothalamus is like the reptilian brain. This okay, is so unique totally to humans. Brain. Yeah, okay. it's unique to humans because humans have you know much more complex, sophisticated interactions with the world. And so, the um, another another way that they've now just proven in Johns Hopkins and university and and uh, several other universities are doing, including in Israel, is is they've been using psilocybin, which is, uh, which is uh, part of the mushroom fungus family, that they've, uh, they've used the same fMRIs, and w- literally they put them in before the mushrooms take effect. Default mode networks in full action, and then you just slowly watch it get disappear, and then all of a sudden that person's brain gets completely networked, they're able to watch the brain network again in full experience, which is, which is really something very fascinating. That they, they, and they know this now. This is a fact. And they're now treating resist, uh, therapy-resistant depression, therapy-resistant anxiety, therapy-resistant addictions, therapy-resistant uh, trauma, meaning PTSD, with this just by networking the brain again because the thing about what is PTSD for example is that every situation you're in seems like a a vulnerable moment that could be a recreation I myself was I was held up at gunpoint and and then put in execution position and uh, and I was the only person that wasn't killed in a month straight from this this gang and the and it was as a rabbi, you know, like all I was doing was talking to two guys outside of a class I had just taught in an alley in Los Angeles. And, and the three of us, three big dudes and us on the ground, execution style with three guns in our heads, were the only people who weren't killed because a car drove down the alley and, you know, saw what was going on and they just ran before they got caught. They wound up getting caught and thank God I... I didn't have to fly to be a witness because my the two students who I was talking to were able to identify them in a lineup. Anyway, the um, but you want to hear the crazy thing that the few days before I left LA, whenever I'd pull up at a red light and a car and if cars, you know, like let's say I'm in the middle and two cars pulled up or one car or two cars pulled up next to me, I would look both ways to see how many cars were going the other way, and I just drive straight through the red. You understand? Because my default mode network was telling me that I'm going to get shot if anyone comes and pulls up next to me. It's the trans- it's that overlaid transparency that was being put over every situation. It's a hyperactive default mode network. But gentlemen, ladies, you all have a hyperactive default mode network, and that's why we'd rather catch a cold than show up to Thanksgiving. It's just hyperactive. 
I mean, you can't get you can't get an appointment with a therapist within a month of Thanksgiving. I mean, you got to book way in advance if you want to get in there because everyone's getting ready to deal with who they're going to see there. And it's amazing we voluntarily go into these situations. And meanwhile, these are... You know what they call these on Hallmark call, cards? They're called loved ones. <laughs> loved ones. There's a saying, you think you're really enlightened when you don't spend a few weeks with your parents. Yes. Our parents are like... Navigating our parents is really pretty intense and we choose to orphan ourselves we choose to orphan ourselves from our parents rather than deal with what's coming up for us and get in get in touch with what's really there we'll we'll medicate that away way before we'll get in touch with the two people who do anything for us we will orphan ourselves from them and you should know that's the scariest thing is is they're going to die one day and for some reason you're going to blame yourself for all the years you shut them out. Have you ever noticed how innocent dead people are? It's an amazing thing that once people are six feet under, you can't even remember why they bothered you or what what was wrong with them. It's a weird phenomenon, but it, I promise you it's coming. Where anyone you know who's alive that aggravates you, when they pass away, you just can't figure out what was bothering you about them. Now, if, you, if this is a parent who you've already removed from your like center stage... There's a guilt that hits, like, oh my gosh. You wind up, you wind up like mourning. You wind up mourning that you killed them years ago. Rather than mourning them. You're not actually mourning them. You're mourning that you knocked them out. You knocked them off. I had a, I had a, uh, someone call me last year that his, um, he just finished mourning his father. And he wanted to thank me. And I, I said, what do you mean? He said, he said that he sat with all his siblings mourning for the week. We sit on the floor for a week after someone passes away. So he said he f- finished mourning his father. He said he was the only one who mourned his father because he, he, he's a graduate of my seminar work, which is tonight at 530. He, he graduated the seminar and did all his work. He did all his work regarding his father. He did a ton of work about his career and about his, what he does for a living and all the, you know, and, and his relationship with his wife and et cetera, et cetera. But he did the work with his father. And he even called his father and did the work with his father. Of course, his father didn't know what in the world he was talking about the whole time. But it uh, doesn't matter. He said what needed to get said. And he said that he sat and mourned his father and he wanted to thank me for that because all his siblings mourned the fact that they knocked him off when they were teenagers. And he got his father back. Once he got his default mode network where it belongs, he was able to shut that thing down and suddenly see his father. I remember the first time I had my default mode network shut down and I saw my father and I started crying. And he's like, why are you crying? And I, I didn't do this, but I still wanted to just touch his face. Like, I finally saw him. I just wanted to touch his face and, like, just feel its contours, because I, I never saw it before. It always represented me being nine. And so I, I couldn't really see his face. And today I can't stop seeing his face. 
so beautiful and so dedicated so awesome and, and, and all that unsolicited advice you know notice that uh, what's your name Morris Mor- oh yeah Morris Morris yeah, did my father ever call you about your financials my dad yeah no my dad ever called you oh no they were calling, why does this man in Los Angeles keep phoning me? And the answer is because he loves me. He loves me. And his language of love is this advice that he just can't stop giving. Because he wants to see me naked. I don't know if this is I don't know if this is physiological and built in our in all animals to see their progeny succeed. But I'll tell you this, I missed it because of my my default mood network could not stop putting a transparency over him called nine-year-old little boy, me. And I, I almost missed my my life with my father. I got off the phone with him close to two decades. I got off the phone with him within 30 seconds. So a third way I discovered, thanks for asking, perfect timing. The third way I discovered, and this I discovered in 2001, after five years working in hypnosis, I, I, I'm trained in hypnotherapy. I worked in hypnosis for five years. You may notice that I've been hypnotizing you this entire time, but it's not purposeful. I just, I spent nine to 7 p.m. every single day for five years straight putting people into hypnosis. I'm a public speaker and I've got a special kind of voice for this kind of work. So, I, you know, people don't usually fall asleep while I'm speaking. They're just kind of locked on while I'm going. And, but that, that's my background. I'm not trying to do it. I'm believing it. I, I usually, you'd be shocked. So I know a lot about, I know a lot about Torah that would compel you to keep it. You can imagine. Like I know a lot about the secular world. I grew up there. I only learned all of it when I was 23. And I know a lot about the Torah world such that I could share with you things that would compel you to keep it. But when I'm teaching that stuff, those, that material, I only go to a certain level. I like, I like the other person to fill in a lot of the blanks, connect their own dots, because I don't want to take away from them the choice and the free will and the, the process and the journey. And the, you know, that's so important. You know, I could, if you guys gave me an hour, I could rip away every ounce of free will you got in this room, and you'd all be keeping Shabbat this week. (laughs) And I I would never, you understand, I would never do that, because that's, to me, that's highway robbery. That's stealing. I'm not going to steal from people, and especially not steal the most intimate relationship we've got, and that's the relationship with our Creator. And that has to be discovered. And that can only be discovered by you. It's a process that you have to undertake. It's special and it's sacred and it's not to be taken away from a person. And I've held by that for 28 years here at Eshatara. I'm working that way. I'm not saying the red, I'm not saying the other rabbis do. But I've always done that. Very carefully left free will intact for the people listening. Now A third way I discovered in 2001, after five years of, of doing hypnotherapy, was that, that if, you, if you get a group of people to commit, to 
commit to spending three or more days. It has to be three. Can't do under three. If you do three, if you do two days, I don't care if it's all day. The two days, you know, I don't care. If everyone has to start at six in the morning, and you end at one with me leading it. It will not work. That you can't. There's certain ways you can shut down the default mode network, and the way it works is with with you need time, three days minimum, lots of hours, and what you do is this is the crazy thing is that the default mode network can only do its job as long as you don't look at it. Meaning, I've been messing with you guys so much this hour because I have you looking at a part of your body, part of your physiology that would rather you didn't pay attention to it so it can keep navigating for you. It's there to protect you. It doesn't want you aware of it. But it's what I'm telling you is it's stealing your experience of life. It's ripping you off big time. I mean, those who are afraid of getting ripped off, you've been ripping yourself off all these years. You're getting ripped off by a predictive modeler called the default mode network helping you navigate things that require zero navigation. Apples do not need navigation, man. Fathers don't need navigation. Thanksgiving doesn't need any navigation. Your career needs no navigation. If you're great at something, man, shine your light. You don't have to navigate that. It's zero stress. You don't need anyone to clap either. You do it effortlessly because it's just a function of who God created you to be. And so one of the things the default mode network can't deal with is you looking at it. It just doesn't like that very much. It doesn't know how to deal with that. Now, of course, I could get you guys to look at it this hour and trip you out a little bit. But to get it to actually shut down requires three days. Now, this is also proven in, in uh, uh, what do you call the people who are in charge of... Uh, of uh, dealing with information from enemy countries. What is it called? Intelligence? Intelligence organizations? Yeah. So this is also a known fact in intelligence organizations in that they, when they catch a spy, they, they don't bother him too much till day three. You understand? I mean, they'll, they'll scare him. They'll hold him. You know, he's in trouble. You know, for sure. You know, but the, uh, but they, they're not expecting anything to come out. Till day three, day four. Because the, the, what happens is the human brain, the, the meaning specifically the default mode network, cannot survive a three-day onslaught. Now here's the coolest part about it, is that if you attack the default mode network with the actual information that it's that it's predicting for, you get you listening carefully, you gotta hear this. This is the important part. If you attack the default mode network with the actual info it's predicting for, it just, it just, like, you take, it gets tased. It just gets tased. Ex yeah, exactly like the mushroom experience, only this is not, because something's in your bloodstream. This is you literally tasing the default mode network with the very stuff that it's very specific, like I'm talking fine specifics, like real fine specifics of what it's predicting for. It gets like, it's like a deer in headlights and it drops its game. 
and the rest of your brain starts networking. I've had men married 20 years come into my seminar work. They get home Friday night to their Shabbos table. Their wife's over there, the kid's lining the table. Can you shut off the AC again? Their wife's lining the table. Their wife's lining the table. Their wife's over there, the kids are lining the table. And the guy gets up there. You know, he's like, like the Shabbos night, getting ready to make kiddish, looks if everyone's paying attention because he's going to help them fulfill the commandment. You know, so you got to look, see if everyone's ready. And he just bursts out sobbing convulsively and can't stop. Just like me looking at my father's face, this guy's looking at his wife and realizes he never, he never married her. This was a match made in, by his parents. And all these kids came out of it. And he's been just living inside his predictive models all these years. And they're, and they're no longer predicting anything. He's seeing them. And then, like, he literally prays as quick as he can in the morning and runs over to his mother's house. His father's in shul, too. You know, these Hasidic families are, like, you know, it's very nuclear. Like, everyone's together a lot. So he, like, finishes his prayers as quickly as possible, runs to his mother just to go see her and just see his mother for the first time. It is unbelievable work of what is available and what is possible for us. Now, you ready for this? This is the craziest part that I'm not going to add to layer this. Like, you just won't believe this part. You know the law of attraction? You know the law of attraction? You know how, like, we're like, we're like vibrational satellite dishes for what's coming at us? I just had that. I just had... Shalom, how you doing? Oh, thank you. Close, close, quick. Just for a second. I got... I forgot we have a clock. Um... Normally, you just have no idea what time it is here, so we just go until someone walks in, but there is a clock. I just had a head of a municipal department of a city. They just came here. Um, she and his, her husband just came to speak to me. And they've been accused of something that's already been proven not true by someone trying to rise up the ranks, but they've been falsely accused and have gone through hell as a result. So I asked her, tell me, when were you falsely accused as a young girl? And she bursts out crying and starts telling us, me and her husband, a story that he had never heard when she was 13. Here's the crazy part, is the very stuff your default mode network is actually projecting to navigate for you, it's, it's the meaning of the stuff you're most worried about is exactly what keeps happening. It's the weirdest thing. But we vibra- it becomes a vibrational reality that attracts into your life exactly what you don't want. What you resist persists. Exactly. So here, that, I mean, it just, I just turned this sci-fi. Because the default mode network that's been set up to protect you is actually causing your downfall. As you all know it. Like, it stuff just keeps coming. That's part of the themes from childhood. And you can also stop that forever. You can just get rid of that. It doesn't come anymore. Anyone who's like, for example, uh, verbally abusive, they'll just find someone else to bother. You're no longer a listening for this. So listen, here's the facts. I just want to tell you all something that's just an opportunity. I run it around the world in English. Here I run it only in Hebrew. I just opened an English one. For, in, like, I haven't done an English one in a very long time. Today at 5.30 is the English one. 
and I'm going to give my WhatsApp number for anyone who would like to come. Uh, anyone here doesn't have WhatsApp who would like to come to, to this? You'd have to come fully committed, but it's 5.30 this evening till Thursday night. If you'd like to be part of it, this is your chance to get in. This is when it's happening. I went to an English one. There's reasons why my staff wants an English one. So we're doing one in English. It starts tonight, 5.30. It's in Nachlo, but it's men. It's men's. We can't do it because of, there's so much gender stuff comes up. that We have to have women's ones and men's ones. Anyway, it's tonight, 5.30 through Thursday. Okay? The, the price of it is $7.50. There are scholarship discounts. If people need seven fifty US, there's scholarship discounts. If anyone needs that discount, they will get it. You don't need, no questions asked. If you really need it, you'll get it, and uh, which is five hundred US, and the uh, and it, it starts tonight and it's uh, five thirty p.m. through late at night, tomorrow night till late at night, all the way till Thursday night till like midnight, and it is uh, there for you. If you'd like to do it in America, I'll be uh, in America in end of July and I have England is uh, England's going to be uh, in like three weeks or four weeks I think I have I have London in English so if you guys want this opportunity I suggest people have changed their plans people have flown in people have switched flights just to be there for this tonight so if you're here in Jerusalem I'm running in English I have a feeling that it, nothing's by coincidence so if you want to do it it's available to you and it's at Shomron 1, right near Ben Yehuda, King George. And my, my number I'll put on the board. And my email is, uh, is plus 972-52834-4664. It's uh, Laser at gmail. Okay, so your chances tonight, and the address again is showroom one. Showroom one. In um, I, I highly suggest showing up there. You will thank me forever. And any of you who are in the business of making money, um, you will be making much more when you stop filtering out your experience of business and, and start getting real present there. Everyone's going to want to work with you. And as a performer, I'll say that this has been what's made my career something very relaxing and beautiful. Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.